the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. No, sir! We take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you do not have to. I am Ross Blotcher. And I am Carrie Poppy. Hello, Carrie Poppy. Hello, Ross Blotcher. All right, I think we need to talk more today about Gene Scott and Melissa Scott and the Faith Center in Glendale, California, United States, America. The universe. Planet Earth. The Milky Way. Tegiak. What's that? That's the Scientology name for Earth. Oh, I had already forgotten that. <laughs> Scientology shall be washed from your brain because now we are talking about the Scots, but not the paper towel and not the tape. Melissa Scott, if you didn't listen to the first episode, is a pastor in Glendale. But if you didn't listen to the first episode, you probably won't know what's going on. So oh my you should listen. just go back. Yeah, so, okay. it's wild. Okay. Now that you're back. There's more to say about these folks. Particularly one thing that we brought up in the last episode, Melissa's powers of exegesis. Yeah, ability to read and write and speak and expound upon Greek. Her website says that she has mastery of over 25 languages. So maybe 26, maybe 27, maybe 32. At least 26. if I could speak 32 languages, I would say the mastery of over 31 languages. Right. It reminds me of one time I read, I don't remember which university it was, but I read some university's literature and they said they were in the top 17 law schools. And I was like, oh, I wonder (laughs) which one. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if they were like number three and they were like, we're in the top 17. (laughs) Why why did you say that then? Yeah. You're obviously the 17. Either this says something about how our brains work or everybody thinks this way. And who do they think they're fooling? Right. And so we thought, well, you know, she's constantly giving these sermons in Greek. Maybe we can pass out some of this information. So we had a couple listeners who have qualifications and had them kind of look at some of her videos. There's one in particular where she was talking about that passage about women speaking in the church. And about these people who are helping us decide whether she's good or bad at Greek, we did check all of their credentials just to make sure we weren't dealing with someone who works for Melissa or (laughs) who knows. I'm pretty sure we've been contacted by at least one or two of them. Yeah, it could very well be. Or fans or people from the alt Gene Scott group, which are interesting right. people. <laughs> I mean, and that's what we would do anyway, but I just want to point it out before someone asks. So for example, we uh, were contacted by Kelly Holob, and she's a PhD student at the University of Chicago in New Testament and Ancient Christian Literature. So she was able to look at some of the Greek in Melissa's sermons, and she had some interesting feedback. She said, overall, it's clear that Melissa has a basic understanding of Greek. She writes the letters correctly, places the accents in the right place, identifies parts of speech more or less correctly, and seems to be able to at least imitate accurate translations. However, I don't see any evidence that she's passed a beginner level. She had trouble saying a pretty common word in the letters, and she seems very excited to point out very unexciting aspects of a sentence. Saying something is a genitive and labeling it as significant is like labeling a direct object. It says nothing on its own. My least charitable bet is that she knows just enough Greek to be able to confidently write it on the board and circle things. (laughs) (laughs) The sort of grammatical explanation she's doing come right out of something called an interlinear Bible, which has Greek and English on alternating lines, sometime with grammatical stuff in between. Essentially, it sounds like she's just been kind of using these common study tools, though 
I should point out that the videos that we were able to find were six or seven years old. Uh-huh. I couldn't find anything more recent. Most okay, of the like more recent videos that seem to be shared are just kind of her sitting on a chair. She's kind of gone through like the gene transformation where she used to like be in front of the board more and now she spends more time sitting on a chair mm, with right. a camera focused on Soon her face. she'll be surrounded by stacks of books smoking a cigar and wearing two <laughs> pairs of glasses. The camera will zoom in. She'll wear funny hats. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Let's see. She'll just start bringing in bevies of men. (laughs) Pony boys. Yeah, and Kelly also like pointed out other areas where Melissa mispronounced like a certain word, just things that you know someone who is truly competent would know. This was pretty much repeated by most people, and they were pretty consistent. So most of the people who were looking at her Greek said somewhere between either she's truly a beginner to I think the most charitable thing that was said was she seems like an advanced undergraduate, but no one used the word mastery. No one seemed to think she's worthy of a PhD in ancient languages. Yeah, another one of the people who wrote us was Matt Schur. He has a master's degree in systematic theology from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. He also pointed out her mispronunciation of Eusplakanoi, which I'm probably mispronouncing now. Eusplakanoi. But he also said... To begin, she is no Greek scholar. I think she's taught herself just enough to come across as knowledgeable to someone who would say, it's Greek to me. So yeah, he pointed out some specific things that she got wrong to us and said, it's right for the most part. Competent, yes. Right. Expert, not quite. I'm getting this image in my head of the undergraduate who's doing very well in the class. That's great, but that doesn't mean you should get up turn around and teach it. Also, uh, another thing that our Greek scholars mentioned. Yes. um, They verified a theory that you had kind of implied that I didn't even catch you saying in the episode. Right. Uh, So when we had gone in, they had insisted on the King James Version. You'd been given a copy of the King James Version. And I had my... NIV, New International Version. It was uh, translated, I think, in 1976. And I remember growing up with it. And even now I realize, like, okay, maybe it's not the best translation, but it's pretty good as like a phrase by phrase, you know, Mm -hmm. preserving the meaning translation. And uh, it's also, I think, kind of a nice stop between preserving the poetry and understanding the meaning. Yeah. There are some that are very literal. Let's just get rid of the poetic elements and really understand the text. And then the KJV is all poetry, not necessarily. Right. And the NIV tends to be, yeah. Yeah, more readable and it doesn't trip you up quite as much when you're just trying to kind of read through it. And so as she kept pointing out certain things in her sermons to say, oh, really, it should be translated as this word. That was always like exactly what it said in my NIV version. So like, mm-hmm. huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of our scholars pointed out that's probably what she's doing. She's probably working from an NIV translation. They said she's probably also using something called an interlinear. It shows it's, the it's, two languages side by side right. and it highlights certain terms. And so, yeah. It's if the you lily pads you hop on to get through the stream. And so essentially, it sounds like she could just be using one of those references. And, you know, she preaches a sermon on just one verse, pretty much. Right. And, and so you she could parse proudly that out. walks up with huge, heavy books. Um, right. which is supposed to prove some point, I imagine, but uh, actually ends up kind of bolstering our scholars' hypotheses here. That sure. She's just bringing up some study aids. Yeah. 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 You know, which is fine. Uh, oh, of totally course fine. it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but of course, when you claim to have mastery, right. you invite some suspicion right. on your mastery. Yeah, it would be 
a completely different thing if she said, hey, I've learned something really neat. As you know, I've been trying to learn Greek myself. And here's what I've learned. Isn't that neat? And I've learned this from the NIV and I've learned it from this interlinear and you can get one too. That would be completely different. But no, she's saying, I am a master of this language. I can teach it to you. Just come here and I'll explain it. Right. That's 180 degrees the other way. Absolutely. I would love to have Melissa Scott to interview and just say, please kindly remove your cat from my front lawn in 26 languages. Go. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we, we got actually a lot of really valuable feedback and wonderful offers of help in both Greek and Hebrew. So thank you, everybody. Yes. Confession. We let down our Hebrew scholars. There was only one video I was able to find where she had actually like written Hebrew up on the board. And even then she wasn't like really pronouncing things. So there's there's just not a wealth of material. Now she does that regularly in her sermons, but only certain sermons are up on YouTube Mm -hmm. and she controls what goes out. So uh, yeah, there's not too much that is open to criticism. Before we move on, can we name all of our Greek scholars who helped us out? Oh yeah, we also had Alan Inman. He has a PhD from UT Austin. Yeah. Well, thank you to them. I'm going to call them our Gamma Force. We'll explain why that makes sense later. <laughs> thank you, Gamma Force. Thank you, Gamma numbers Force. Numbers 1, 3, and 18. <laughs> also, in that video you mentioned where Melissa is talking about women speaking in the church. Yes. Oh, and it's on YouTube. It's a five-part video I recommend watching. It's one of her lectures on women speaking in the church, and she is a woman speaking in the church. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, yes, ma'am. <laughs> that we'll post on Facebook as well. In that video, she makes a point, we'll call it a point generously, uh-huh. that you sent to me, and I laughed out loud watching. The case she makes is, Paul says in one verse that women shouldn't speak, and he uses a particular verb. And then in another verse, he says women shouldn't speak, and he uses a different verb. (laughs) So it's like in one verse, he basically says women should silence themselves. In another, he says women should hush. And she's like, if he meant the same thing, he would have used the same verb. (laughs) Yeah, if he was really trying to tell women to be quiet, he would have been consistent. Uh, what? No, no, that's not how that works. That's not how speaking works. And like she was trying to then point to this is the whole very controversial First Timothy 2 section where it's talking about women being silent in the church. She was at first saying, oh, well, he also in other verses tells these people to be quiet. And then elsewhere, he tells these people to be quiet. So so he's telling everyone to be quiet. And so really, it's not about hushing people up forever. And that was another parsing is looking at this word for being quiet. And is it a permanent quiet? Or mm. is it a temporary quiet? And, uh, yeah, just finding any way to, you know, make Paul not look like a misogynist jerk. Right. I love the idea that in order to mean what you say, you must use the exact same words every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's stupendous. If I tell my mother that I love her, and then the next day I say that I adore her, well, fucked it up. You clearly don't love your mother. She was clearly spinning this to make it okay for women to speak in the church, which I think is great. Women should speak in the church. Sure. Maybe Paul was wrong. I would say he was wrong. Yeah. And it's okay to say that. Or a lot of more liberal Christian scholars would say, or maybe he was writing at a certain point in history and influenced by all these things and or writing to a particular church with particular issues. Right. Usually that's, I think, where most contemporary sermons go is saying that he was talking to this particular church. They had 
had issues with the women there being disruptive. And so he was telling Gabby, them, Gabby gals. wait and go home and then ask your husbands any questions that you may have. It wasn't a dictate to all women for all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. All yeah. Right. Okay. If you're God and you're inspiring the Bible, though, and know that people are going to be reading this, there's a lot of ways you could have cleared that up. Maybe thrown in a word or two against slavery, you know. So, okay. Ross. Hey, Carrie. You know what else is interesting about Melissa Scott? Her former husband? Gene Scott. Gene Scott. Exactly. Oh, we like this guy. You knew guy. where I was going with my Interesting brain. feller. Holy moly. Okay, so as we mentioned in the last episode, it's hard to get your hands on Gene Scott's videos. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Melissa Scott has them and claims to own, own the copyright mm-hmm. to them. And I think we mentioned in the first episode that they had been online and then not too long after Gene passed, they were all pulled off the website. If you go to watch like that 24-7 stream at PastorMelissaScott.com, you can see some of his classic sermons. But, but they're all the watered-down ones. Yeah. None of the exciting Nothing stuff, about you guys. UFOs. Nothing about camels. Boy, we'll tell you about some camels. Or the government. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is kind of missing. Uh, so there have been other people outside of the fold who have left her particular congregation who now want to share Gene's videos like they have them say hey can I just share them Gene wanted them shared and she'll shoot them down and take them to court over it right now to be fair I did watch a lengthy sermon where Melissa Scott very recently uh, talked about her personal efforts to revive and restore all of these old tapes and so she showed like pictures of the conditions in which the tapes were kept and uh, and I say she because she almost treated it like it was her own personal effort. Yeah, I guess she personally funded it and uh you know bought all these machines to take all of these old, you know, analog tapes and turn them into digital uh, copies. She's going into all the details about this. I think in response to all of her critics from the outside who have said like, hey, you've taken away Gene Scott's sermons and not really given us access to them or, or permission to share them. She kept like turning it back to herself and what a great steward she is. And mm. so that was kind of getting on my nerves. By this point, my son, Andrew, he was wandering around. So I was calling him over, come look at the chutzpah on this lady. And, <laughs> and so he was watching this with me and she kept thanking people who had helped with these efforts over the years had volunteered like countless hours to look at tapes and run them through in real time because you've got to do that while you're digitizing but she never named the people who helped instead she gave them like a new series of numbers Uh so you've already got your king's house number you've got your king's tither number but now you've got your delta force number if you are part of the delta force just like some weird quasi-military thing, right? which I guess Gene was really into. These people who have been volunteers are given Delta Force numbers. And so she's talking about people have like done all this work. And she even gives them like the ability to stand up. Mm-hmm. But they're like poorly lit and the camera is like facing toward her. So you can only kind of see the see silhouette. The uh-huh. Yeah. And so Delta Force number 238. And so they stand up and kind of clap. Delta Force 367. And it's like, oh, come on. These people have been working their butts off. Give them some actual like recognition with their yeah, names. That's terrible. And so Andrew and I were just sitting there like shaking our heads. And I was like so annoyed for those people. Right. And yet and it would just constantly turn back to her, the conversation at every at every juncture, you know, the humble bragging and the oh, you know, I've, I've worked so hard and suffered for this, and and those people have said so many mean things about oh, Melissa's just and again, it was just this whole personality play, right? And and of course, she doesn't 
use her Delta Force number. <laughs> yeah. I actually did ask one of the Carrie's house numbers about this whole numbering system. Yeah. And they said that uh, the numbering did begin during Gene's reign. Gene said, well, it's because, you know, you're supposed to give in secret. And he kind of took that a step further and felt like giving could not just be financially, but giving of your time. Mm, so yeah, okay. volunteers and so on were also given numbers. But yeah, it kind of falls apart when you note that, yeah, but so so you're constantly being celebrated for your time and what you're doing. Yeah. And all of your good works yep. on TV. And in some sense, that's as it should be. You're working hard. Why aren't these people all being <laughs> recognized for similarly? Yeah. yeah, that was really getting on my nerves. I was just feeling like this is all about her and everybody else is anonymized and can be easily cast aside in case they turn on her. They're just this anonymized number. Right. Yeah. Which is sometimes even used as ammunition, you know, like, oh, I'm right. not even going to name their King's House number. Right. <laughs> <sighs> Heaven forbid. <sighs> Yeah, so we were able, well, you were able yeah, to find so, some of these videos. So through the magic of BitTorrent, I was able to find <laughs> Gene's videos being shared, quite a few of them, and also a lot of audio sermons, more than I would have ever had time to listen to. There's just, there's a lot of material out there, but it's all being kind of shared between followers of Gene Scott without Melissa Scott's permission. Right. In fact, in spite of her efforts to stop them from mm -hmm. sharing his sermons. So I shared some of these with Carrie and we kind of took turns watching things. And then we ended up having a couple viewing parties where we sat with each other and watched Gene Scott videos. A couple times with our families nearby so they could hover over us and say, what is this you do for a living? <laughs> yeah. Boy, oh boy, where to begin? Perhaps with that ancient of mysteries. The pyramids. Oh, yeah. That was a fun one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We found this one sermon called Edgar Casey and the Great Pyramid, and it was from 1990. He imparts the amazing accuracy and the knowledge that went into creating the pyramids, particularly, particularly the Great Pyramid of Cheops. Now, so, wait. The Great One? Yeah. Is that the one where the stairs go up <laughs> instead of... Well, well, you, you need to understand, Carrie, that yeah. in most pyramids, if you look at them as a cross-section, uh -huh. there are stairs built into them at the base, and, and you know, they actually go down. Right, they descend. Downward into the ground. Yes, they descend. Mm -hmm. Yes. But mm -hmm. in Cheops... Yeah, the, the Great Pyramid there. The, they're ascending. Yes. Now, if I walked up them and turned around, they would be descending. Hmm. <laughs> well... Yes, but you see, in the other pyramids, all the stairs go down. But if I got to the bottom and turned around, they'd be going up. But but those ones, you see, in but in at Cheops, they go they go up. <laughs> this is so like this one of those. Like this one goes entire, to eleven kind of conversations. This is a pretty much a whole sermon. A whole sermon where he shows us like he, he's got like this picture book and he's showing us little pictures of pyramids. He's like, look at this one. Stairs go down. Look over here. Stairs down. down. That's where they're going. Look at these stairs. They're going down. They're descending. And also, we're dealing with like some pretty old audio and video equipment. So he's holding it up for the camera. Cameraman's uh -huh. like panning in slowly and then trying to focus in on it. Gene's pointing with a pencil. He's like, can you see that? Can you see that? It's going up on this like old book. 
So that itself takes a few seconds. So this is painstaking, you guys. Oh, yeah. And he like he doesn't finish his sentences. He'll just kind of like meander off in the middle of a thought and then he'll go grab something else. And he's wearing like this. Uh, I don't know. How would you describe that hat? What do you call those things? Golf cap. OK, golf cap. And it's a, sort of a plaid thing. He's wearing his glasses. Looks mad. Yeah, he's a man of many looks. Uh, this one he's got. But kinda... all kind of crazy. <laughs> You're never just like, oh, looking sharp today, Gene. Look at you in your pinstripe suit. So the point of the pyramid sermon yes, was that the pyramids are a message from God. Right. Yeah, that there was like extra special information being conveyed through the pyramids. And you had all these little like facts and statistics the inch used in creating the pyramid is exactly one five hundred millionth the distance between the polar radius or the distance from the pole to the equator. Okay. Like, wait, what? A, probably not. B, who cares? <laughs> and that is also the perfect unit to use for building everything. It's the unit that God used to tell Noah how to build an ark, which makes sense, you know, because Noah didn't know how to build arks. Though, as soon as he said that, like, this inch, this five hundred of a millionth inch whatever i was like well he gave him instructions in cubits and then Mm. he tells us that there's two different types of cubits there's the short cubit i assume that means the one we've always heard about which is like the distance from your elbow to the tip of your finger Mm -hmm. which is of course variable from person to person that's why cubits are so unreliable and then he says there's the long or divine cubit what's that what yeah what I want to know more about this divine cubit. And that's all he said? He didn't explain it? Not that I recall. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm doing a search for the divine cubit, and it comes up with the sacred cubit, and it's all about the pyramids. So, Oh, okay. there you go. So it's clearly tied to all this pyramid conspiracy. Is that the right word? You know, we had the same problem. We were asking ourselves, do you call these conspiracy theories the stuff Gene believes Alternate in? Alternate histories. Alternate history. That's a, that's a good a way yep. to put it. At one point, he was going to quote Edgar Cayce, and he got two words in, and then he got you know off on some other thing. <laughs> so he never really tied Edgar Cayce into all this. But Edgar Cayce is like a famous prognosticator and psychic. It sounds like Gene takes him seriously. It was interesting. At one point, he said that there are true clairvoyants and psychics and prognosticators, but they're extremely rare uh, because there's uh, genetic combinations that have to occur just right in that ah. individual. Sure. So okay. that was his little explanation for that. Now, did you get anything specific out of that pyramid talk besides the pyramids mean something? Not sure what, but it sure is from God. Mm, that's a good question. I think it's just that because they are so accurate, it just shows that, you know, there's no way that people could have done this without God's help and information, mm, which is okay. interesting because so many alien conspiracists will say like, oh, uh-huh. well, clearly the aliens had to help us with X structure, Y structure, right. because no way we could have done that without external help. I was just watching a video by a cult expert about Om Shinrikyo, mm-hmm. which is the cult that did the big gassing on the Japanese the subway. subway. Yeah. And the leader of Om Shinrikyo claims that in a prior life he single-handedly built the pyramids he built the pyramids he personally built the pyramids well thanks buddy yeah really good job i mean then he really let himself go when he started being a murderer right okay yeah yeah he was just should have quit while you were ahead exactly yeah gene was also showing diagrams about like the location of the pyramid how that was so significant and if you extend these lines and form a quadrant then it'll point at this and yeah it was all very significant to him it's all very significant that's exactly the sort of thing i get from these talks it's all very important it's really good and just there was a lot of information and it meant something okay very good it's over but of course 
that's drawn out over like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, with lots of people occasionally saying, yes, sir, uh-huh. to his point. He also would smoke through all of these, pretty much. Yeah. Also of note is that his parents are sitting in the audience in some of these videos. Yeah, some of the earlier ones. Yeah, so that's really interesting. Both parents. So an early one that I watched was called Our Responsibility, mm-hmm. in that he diagrams the human personality on a chalkboard. Okay. This is the first one I watched, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Because uh, he was diagramming, and it was crazy, and it was hard to tell what any of the diagram was supposed to mean. His diagrams, my goodness. He said, the job to teach children goes to the father. Okay. Uh, he said, you haven't even started to parent until you kick modern psychology out. Hey, L. Ron Hubbard would agree with that. Yeah, true. That's right. You gotta kick out that modern psychology. <laughs> Said, if a kid asks you why, say, because I told you so. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. He said, I respected my dad. We would see which were out first, his arm or my behind. (laughs) Don't let kids be themselves. That's pushing your kid one step closer to hell. Wow. Great parenting advice here. Yeah, right. Did he have any kids? No. Nope. That's good. Um, (laughs) The last thing I wrote as a note on this one was, Jesus wants women with unsaved husbands not to use jewelry to try to get their husbands saved. What? Jesus wants women. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I heard you, but it didn't. (laughs) Because usually, you know, you want to save your husband and you're like, I'm going to wear this jewelry and that's going to make him love Jesus. But don't do that. Is this like a WWJD bracelet? (laughs) Maybe. Don't do it. Okay. I won't. Yeah, he also did a video called God's Message in the Stars. That one's about astrology. So yeah, kind of surprising to hear this like. He looks like the Fonz in this one. He's wearing like the black leather jacket. Oh, yeah. He's got the little golf cap. It's kind of tilted off to the side. You know what he looks kind of like? Your cool uncle. Huh. He looks to me kind of like um, one of those dolls that's you push the bottom and it falls. Oh, yeah. It it goes all all limp. It goes all all limp, yeah. Huh. For some reason, he reminds me of one of those. Oh, he looks like the Fonz to me. Yeah, a little, but like a way dopier Fonz. Yeah, yeah, no offense to Henry Winkler. Yeah, so he's smoking in this one. Yeah, and he's recommending an astrology book by Kenneth Fleming called God's Voice in the Stars, Zodiac Signs in the Bible. So this guy's like really into the Zodiac. Interesting, yeah. Uncommon for Christians. Boy, yeah, he is just unconventional for a Christian in so many ways. I think that's why a lot of people liked him. Like, oh, he's his own man. He speaks his mind. Kind of like the uh, appeal of Trump. Yeah, yeah. He lists like a bunch of astrologers that he's really into in this one. I won't bore you with all the names. But yeah, he's like... Like, he gets real deep into this astrology huh. stuff. When you this think about it, the bag. Bible kind of endorses astrology because the, the wise men use astrology to find Jesus. It's successful. Oh, true. I remember I'd always That's kind of point that out to people and just be like, hey, what what kind of gives? Because we don't believe in astrology, but it worked in this case. That's fair. And what, and what would they say? Yeah, they'd say, oh, well, that was like a very special case. You know, God wanted to give them that message. So he used the stars that one time. Okay. <laughs> Just like, uh, the oh, man, I, I love these like weird stories in the Bible. There's a one where the witch of Endor calls up the ghost of Samuel, a prophet. Okay, so there actually is a ghost there that can be called up and speak, and a, uh-huh. and a mystic, a medium, can actually oh, do that. Because, right. yeah, like I was always told that these people were fakers or they were consulting with demons, but here you have like an actual prophet of God being called back to give new information. And it was like verified in the text. He said something only oh, right. uh, Samuel would have known. 
Yeah, it's just weird. I was definitely taught that those people existed, just that they were evil. But did you get the sense that they actually had real powers, yeah. real abilities? Okay. Yeah, real abilities, but in order to do them, they were like cavorting with the devil. Okay. So in this one, he also, you know, shows his real cool attitude about women, talks about a, a lady at his old church who would improve her ugliness by not wearing makeup or dressing in any way to improve her appearance. And that was a bad thing? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Here, I thought that was going to be like, she is honored among women because she oh, doesn't no. care about her appearance. Oh, no, no, no. Made her ugliness even more pronounced is what he meant. Okay. Yeah, it was real cool. He's a real cool guy. Makes it make sense how awful the alt Gene Scott Google group is. That's the video, isn't it, where uh, you were telling me that he said something about his uh, granddad. Uh, yeah, tell us if you've heard this. As my old granddad used to say, she'd have to cock a pistol in her face at night before she could go to sleep. What What does that mean? What does that mean? Huh. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, we, we would pick sermons that had particularly interesting sounding titles, like the demonologist. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's hear him talk about the demonologist. Yeah. And there he was reading a book from Ed and Lorraine Warren. And yeah. Oh, man, if you guys are Famous familiar with for, them. yeah, the Amityville horror story. Right. And noted fraudsters. Pretty obvious and well-documented that they just uh, trumped up a lot of their stories. And so... Trump 2016. Hey, he was uh, reading from I'm their... I'm going to feel so bad if he gets elected and I come back to this episode and I've just said... Trump 2016. Thankfully, right now, his odds look incredibly yeah, slim. Yeah, really slim. Thank uh, God. But yeah, in The Demonologist, he was talking about Ed and Lorraine Warren. And it was so weird because he'd go back and forth between saying like, yeah, these people are probably not for real. And then like taking very seriously everything that they wrote. And then mm -hmm. being like, oh, you can't believe any of this stuff, though. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. then he'd like tell us more about the tale. Like, but these things do will go on. And it's like, wait, do you agree with this book or not? Right. Make up your mind, Gene. If he takes the position that demons and exorcists exist, then he'll be throwing his 10-year reputation out the window, but then would go on to like clearly agree yeah, with so their proposition. It seemed like he was kind of uh, insinuating there that if word got out that he believed these things, that people wouldn't take him seriously. But then he was saying, well, I actually do, you know, right. <laughs> believe these things. I just refuse to like actually say those words. I just think people disregard them too easily. Yeah, he had an interesting wide-brimmed hat in this one. Yeah, I was just going to mention his hat because you were really into this hat. This guy's clothing. There was another one we were drawn to called Never Shoot Your Camels from 1991. So he read from this book called Broken Bread by John Wright Follett. He kept saying how much he disliked this guy. Yeah. And disagreed with him. And yet this is what he's choosing to just, just kind of lazily going. read. At one point, he got a real laugh line. And Gene says that he's amply qualified to talk about you know, this subject because camels are being discussed at length in this uh, account. And he says, oh yeah, I read lots of horses, but I've also ridden camels, and so I'm qualified. I go to bed with camels. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and he kind of got himself, he's like, oh, no, that's, that's not right. And everybody kind of laughs at that. <laughs> I've gone to bed near, near camels. camels. <laughs> which still, I'm like, what does that mean? Um, when were you near camels in bed? Why do you think this clarifies anything? He really stretches that metaphor to the, the point where it makes uh, no sense. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like he says that temptation is a camel with strange humps and sometimes God gives you an old camel. At certain points, the camel was a woman, I think. So it was okay. like sometimes, you know, oh, God yeah. gives you like an ugly wife or a bitchy <laughs> wife or whatever, I think was the point. Hmm. But yeah, I think camels in general were a symbol for like 
things God gives you that are terrible and smelly and you don't want them, but are still important to get you where you're going. Okay, yeah. At one point, he was wearing two pairs of glasses at the same time. So he had like <laughs> yeah. his, his shades on, but then he put his reading glasses in front of his shades. Yeah, and uh, it just looks ridiculous. Amazing. Especially from the side. We've got the screenshot of him uh, very slowly, languorously lighting his cigar. He would just stop for like 40 seconds. Hey, let's light this cigar now. You can watch me do it. Yep. I also just want to point out, he did one talk about evolution that I watched. Oh, what did he have to say about that? Big lie? Well, let's see. It's called Bones of Contention, The Dating Game 2011. Oh. So he started this one off with saying, I hope you don't get bored, which is a great start to any talk. Sure. So is he for it or against it? Because I can see him actually going either way. I think he is against it. Okay. But because he's his own man, he doesn't take a strong stance. It's just basically science isn't reliable. So I wouldn't put all your eggs in this basket. (laughs) Oh, I like in your notes you've got here that he says Richard Leakey's dad was a philanderer. Yes. Is that a point against evolution? Yes. (laughs) Wow. Um, That's not even an ad hominem. That's like an ad your father's hominem. Right. That's like saying your father smelled of elderberry and your mother was a hamster. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But yeah, so he said there aren't very many fossils. Wrong. Super wrong. I mean, compared to the number of creatures that have died, yes, only a small percentage get uh, fossilized. But as an absolute number, there are absolutely tons of fossils. Yeah. Then he says, this marvelous book here has listed every single fossil. Nope. No book would contain all the fossils. no way that's true. Oh, like here in your notes, you say he keeps saying hominoid uh-huh. <laughs> instead of hominid. Oh, yeah. Apparently, he just flipped pages silently for almost two minutes. <laughs> his, his nail in the coffin was that one fossil had been misdated. And so that changed how people dated things. Therefore, science is unreliable. QED, the end. Boom, mic drop. Bam. Wow. So essentially, Gene Scott's sermons are very boring. We watched them so you don't have to. I mean, and yet, and yet, it's oddly entertaining to watch him too. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I'm me and I enjoy this kind of stuff. It is, but I mean, it's fun to watch with a friend because yes. you can kind of torture each other together. Yes. And repeat things to each other. And Misery be like, loves what company. What will we say now? So, Ross. Hey, Carrie. Jean Scott's dead. But you know who's alive is Melissa Scott. Melissa Scott. So we went back to see her a second time. Yes. June 26th, uh, according to my notes. So we went back on a Sunday. So I'd put in for tickets. I'd used my real name. Cool. And Ross Blotcher. You showed up before I did. Right. And you called me and said, hey, we've Problem. Been, they told me I couldn't come in. Yeah. So I walked up to the window a few minutes before the service, and I didn't even get quite to the window. And uh, a guy walked up to me, and he was like, hey, I remember you. And I was like, oh, wow. Hi. Good and memory. Yeah. And he said, you've only been here one time before, right? And I said, yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. You know what? This is actually a very special Sunday and it is a members only service. Hmm. Okay. And I said, oh, shoot. Okay. Okay. Well, my friend's coming too, so I'm just going to hang out for a second. Mm -hmm. I watched another couple get turned away at the window also. And so I thought, okay, you know, maybe this is a legitimate thing. But I didn't hear what they said to that other couple. I okay. just saw them get turned away. Hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, so Carrie 
told me this and I said, well, I want to get rejected on my own. So I went up to claim my tickets. The service was just about to get started. I got up to the door and I said, oh, hey, I I believe I have some tickets under my name. And they said, oh, yeah, hold on just a moment. And so I was waiting there and Right as I was waiting, there was an older gentleman that came by on a wheelchair and someone with him, and they let them in. So I was saying, oh, okay, well, they're still letting some people in. And so then a guy comes out in a suit, and he says, oh, can I pull you aside for just a moment? Oh, sure. This is a, uh, a members only service today. Oh, okay. So you'll get, you'll get information on the website. But oh, oh, gotcha. Okay, sorry. I didn't know about that. I, no, I, no, I no, called up yesterday. Oh, okay. All right. Hi, sir. Thanks for letting me know. Thanks. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. And so I kind of turn around. We start walking off. And again, there's always people, like just tons of guys in suits everywhere. And so there was one guy who's kind of volunteering as one of these guards. Older fellow. Had a bunch of veteran pins on. And so he saw me and struck up a conversation. I guess it's a members-only thing? Yes, today. Okay. Have you you been here before? I have once before, but I'm not not an official member. Did you make a pass reservation? Yeah, I called up yesterday, and they said they put on tickets. But this gentleman just explained to me that it's a a members-only Sunday, I guess. Uh, Yeah, so it... it, Well, I can check on that further if he... Oh, I believe him. I'm sure he's (laughs) telling the truth. I'll make sure on that on the next one. What's your last name, sir? Uh, Blotcher. B L O B L O C H E R. Blotcher. Mr. Blotcher, first name? Ross. R O S S. Oh, Ross. Okay, Ross. What's your king's house? Say it again. King's house number? Oh, I don't see. I don't have a king's house oh, number, okay. so I think that's, oh, that's why. That's what it is. Yeah, I think today Call was the just number. For... Call the number. The 800 number. Okay. And tell me you would like to get a, a king's house number. Okay. And that way, you that way when you call, you say, uh, "This is King's House." You give them the number. They yeah. already know it's you. Got it. But how often do they have the members on the Sundays? This is always on Sunday, 11 o'clock. Yeah. Well, I've been here before, but like sometimes they have members only services. Just, just uh, ones that... that have had to pass in already. So oh. there's where the ball dropped because is of the Is this a special Sunday? This is an anniversary come today. Oh, an anniversary. Yeah. Okay. All right. So do it again. Do okay. Do it again. Will do. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Do it again. Appreciate it. Don't, don't, don't let anything hinder you. Because the Lord will be called to make able to get it. And you might hit you up, but continue. Don't stop. Okay. That's the forward movement to heaven. All right. Well, thank you. I, uh, I hit a little obstacle today, but we'll try God again. Stop the devil. <laughs> Keep your spirit up. Okay. Thank you, you very much. Don't on you either. Appreciate it. All right. All right. I'll see you again. Have a good day. Yeah. So we uh, so we went back to your house. And we watched the sermon online because there's the live streaming. There was a whole sermon on Revelation. She'd gotten back to Revelation this time. She'd promised that she would. I remember I was uh, kind of ruffled that she was treating John the Revelator as being the same as John who wrote the Gospels. Oh, which right. Which is just pretty much every scholar agrees is not possible. Mm-hmm. cannot be the case that they are the same John, but is a very popular belief in the church. Of course, the whole sermon was turned into a talk about suffering and persecution for one's faith and affliction, and she had like written up on the board, tribulation, kingdom, patience, and in Jesus. And the whole sermon was just her like (laughs) circling those words and drawing little lines between them. (sighs) So there you go. I saved you a bunch of listening. 
So uh, at the end of each service, they say, you know, if this spoke to you, call in, call in that number, right, and let us know. And, and we said this most certainly did speak to us. Yeah. So we called in, and at this point, we were kind of debating, like, are they on to us? Why did they turn us away? I'm, I'm thinking more that they're on to us. And Carrie's like, right. no, no, I think that there was something going on because I, I had seen that couple be turned away, and I thought, eh, better for the doubt. Right. Could, could very well be. So I called the number right after we listened to the sermon. Uh, so the woman picks up and she wants to know my name and my address. So I give those to her. She gets them wrong. I spell it again. She gets <laughs> it wrong. This is just, it's what happens when you call the number. And so I say, oh, well, I'd like a King's House number. They keep referring to how I need a King's House number. And she says, oh, well, you know, when you're ready to get a King's House number. Uh, just call this number again. Yeah. When she doesn't even say it. She says, just call the number. Like, oh, the number I called that I'm talking to you on right now <laughs> yeah yeah just call that and, and let somebody know that you would like a king's house number oh well you know i'd like a king's house number right now actually. i am letting you know i've called the number now would be the time and that moment is now she's like oh well you don't have to make that decision right away so oh yeah well i've been watching some of the sermons and yeah i'd really like to sign up for that why are you making this so difficult <laughs> yeah and she said oh well do you realize what that entails and I said oh yeah well you know that i be a member of the church and that i'm tithing we're hearing like people talk in the background it was weird we kept hearing like people count to five and then pause and then <laughs> yeah. count to ten not sure what that was all about uh, anyways, so uh, finally she kind of reluctantly said, okay, all right. And I said, well, what's my King's House number? And she said, all right, it's um, 66739. Is that it? That's my King's House number, six, everybody. 66739. Six, that's Russ's that's King's Russ. House number. I don't and, have one. And I said, well, what's my King's Tither number? Yeah. And that's 22739. All right. Yeah. Rossatron. Yeah. So now, now when I show up, I will have a King's House number. That yes. should get me in, right? You'd think. You'd think. We'll see. We'll get to our third visit in a second. But first, I need a break from all of this Gene Scott video watching. I'd like something really entertaining. Do you have anything entertaining I could listen to, oh, Carrie? Oh, man. Have you ever heard of Maximum Fun, the podcasting network? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. They've got like a lot of really popular shows. Yeah. Quality oh, you shows. Would love about comedy and, and culture. Yeah, like this shit here. I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host the weekly comedy podcast, One Bad Mother. We celebrate our moments of parenting genius as well as our failures. Just like, we're yeah. going to have hot dogs. And I'm yeah. like, oh, no, we're having fun. Everybody loves hot dogs. Yeah. And he just like smashes that thing right on my chest. And then I'm just uh, crying in the middle of like kid space yeah. while people are like literally dancing with their children. Parenting can be sad and painfully funny at the same time. So join us each week as we admit that this is hard, but we're getting really good at it. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. So Ross, is it? Hey, I'm Ross over here. You hear this sound? No, look at paper? my face. This oh. is my face. Okay. Okay. You hear this sound? Oh, th those are papers I hear. Well, get used to it because I'm going to be flipping some papes. Oh, Carrie's That's brought right. the stuff. Because. Documents. Here's what I done did, Ross. I wrote to the Federal Bureau of Investigations and I used what's called a Freedom of Information Act. FOIA. Yeah. Um, it says, yo, I'm a member of the public. That means that information that belongs to the public belongs to me. And Taxpayer money paid for it. Yeah. And, and they uh, say, we've got this for you. <laughs> exactly. If someone is dead, you can request their FBI file. 
And yeah, you need to state why you want it. Okay. And I don't know how compelling a reason you need to give, but you need to give one. So I'm guessing this dead person was Gene Scott. I said I wanted Gene Scott's files and I wanted it for this show. And they said, okay. So as far as we know, this is the first time anyone's gotten Gene Scott's FBI file. If anyone else has, it's not easily findable online. So I've got it in front of me. It's not big, as you'll see. What does it say? Okay, there's a little bit redacted. So I'll say blank where it's redacted. Yep. C advised that on 32878 at his residence, subject broadcast over Channel 30 UHF Faith Network, that he had paid a private investigator to obtain the files of the FCC investigation regarding his activities. He then stated the private investigator paid the FCC employee for the files. Scott then furnished the name of the informant for the FCC files. Um, So basically... In a broadcast, he furnished the name? Yeah. Okay. So basically, Gene Scott was like, I I have someone on the inside of the FCC. Um, This private investigator got the information from them, and I have his name, and here it is. But then when the FBI looked into it, they were like, he seems to just know this guy's name. That's it. <laughs> Very clever, though, to make them spin their wheels and try to figure out if this guy's a mole or something. Right, yeah. And then? they Yeah, so then they looked into it, and then comes this document. On April 6th, 1978, blank, Federal Communications Commission, FCC, Long Beach, California, telephone number blank, Advise that he is aware of captioned individual as well as the broadcast on March 28th, 78, whereby Scott alleged to have illegally obtained FCC documents. Hmm. Blank stated that Scott has been the subject of an FCC fraud investigation being conducted out of FCC headquarters in Washington, D.C. Blank stated that Blank in Washington, D.C. is handling this matter for the FCC. On March 13th, 1978, Blank advised that his agency has been investigating Dr. Scott for possible fraud. Blank stated that Scott has four radio stations, two in Los Angeles, one in San Francisco, and one in Hartford, Connecticut, and has allegedly utilized the airways to perpetuate a scheme whereby his, quote, followers would donate sums of money to him for nebulous purposes. The FCC has been monitoring Scott's broadcast for some time, and Blank recalls hearing the March 28th, 78th session. He advised that an internal investigation of FCC has failed to substantiate Scott's claims, and it is his opinion that this claim is another one of Scott's extravagant figments of his imagination. (laughs) Blank stated that Scott has an ongoing verbal battle with the FCC, that each of his allegations against that agency has been disproved. Scott, however, has solicited the assistance of numerous political figures, And whenever an accusation is lodged, it is normally conveyed through one of these political types. Blank stated that if Scott should be investigated by the FBI, Scott would launch a massive PR campaign charging harassment, etc. in the papers. Blank advised that if the FCC inquiry into this matter developed any information to substantiate a theft of government property violation, he would contact Ryder. In view of the above, it is recommended that no additional investigation be conducted in this matter. Wow, so they backed off on investigating Gene Scott because Gene Scott threatened to give them negative publicity. That's how it sounds. For persecuting Christians. That's pretty nuts. He seems to have 
called off an FBI investigation merely by telling them, if you go after me, I'm going to uh, say bad things about you in the pipes. And they were like, oh, shit, okay. Well done, Gene Scott. Yeah. They backed right. off. Also, speaking of documents, I also went downtown to... Where the, uh, all the lights are bright? Yeah, where all the lights are bright. And <laughs> I went to the Los Angeles Assessor's Office, mm. which are the people who keep the records of who owns every single inch of property in LA. Right. And looked up, what does Faith Center own? What does Melissa Scott own? What do all of these tiny little operations like Gene Scott Incorporated own? Because there yeah. are a few little businesses. Found a lot of property. Uh, some of which is just inexplicable. Oh, really? <laughs> a lot of empty lots. Um, so Drew and I went driving and saw a bunch of them. The creepiest one by far is a building in Glendale. It, it's pretty big. It's a two-story building with no signs on the front, a bunch of security cameras, hmm. signs that tell you not to trespass, signs that say, like, by going beyond this sign, if you don't have permission, you are trespassing. All the windows are tinted. Okay. You want the address? Yeah. This was at 730 East Broadway. And so Drew and I went and just rang the doorbell. We went to the back door. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, it did not look like anyone was there, but we thought, let's give it a shot. Okay. We rang a doorbell. A guy comes to this back door, big burly security guy. Okay. And he says, hello. And, um, and I said, hi, what is this? Uh-huh. He said, what, who are you? And I said, um, oh, we're just neighbors. We just always wonder, what is this? Like, what's what's next door? Like, what is this? Like uh... Next to it is a sandwich shop, a deli. Okay. On, yeah, on a major street. So, yeah, how does he respond to that? He said, uh, well, we've been here for over 40 years. Oh. And you both look like nice people. But um, I just do security, and I can't tell you more than that. And uh, if you uh, find a number or anything, you're welcome to call it. Huh. Okay. If you find a number or anything, you're welcome to call it. <laughs> huh. Wow. Really? Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. Boy, that sounds like the big old heave ho. Yeah. I really wished afterward that I had just said, oh, is it Faith Center? But by then I had kind of yeah. stuck to my little ruse that we were neighbors who <laughs> uh -huh. were just walking by. So it would have been a real turnabout. So that was weird. They own a, a duplex that feels pretty random. And Gene Scott, Inc. still owns quite a massive and expensive property in Bradbury. Yes, Bradbury, California, a very exclusive little community, like around a thousand people live there. Yeah, it's the most expensive zip code in the United States. Okay, sounds like a fancy place where fancy people live. Yes, it is. And I knew about Bradbury. The second I saw it come up, I was like, holy crap. Because uh -huh. I did a story last year on Peter Popoff. Peter Popoff. A very scandalous televangelist. Oh, man. And he lives in Bradbury. Yeah. And I tried to get in there last year, and it was tough. He's been on my People Ross Doesn't Like list for a long time. Oh, same here. But my my list is called People Carry Doesn't Like. Oh, yeah, because I thought that was kind of weird that you had a list You're of right. people I don't like. <laughs> Just every time you leave, I'm like, oh, he mentioned Sally. I'm putting it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sally. So I wrote down all these these addresses. Drew and I went and visited several of them. Uh -huh. um, but Bradbury is a little bit away. So yeah, a good hour's drive away from here. Right. Put that down on the to-do list 
to tell you about. And in the meantime, you and I went on our third visit to the church. So yes, we went back on July 31st, about a month after we'd been kind of turned away the first time and said, okay, well, let's try one more time. And both of us applied for tickets this time. Right. Using our... Real, Real names. names. And uh, again, we're kind of unsure about whether they know it's us or not. And that's why we got turned away. But we didn't mention when we talked to that lady on the phone, one thing we did ask her was, this was an exclusive service today just for members. She said, uh, no, no. So <laughs> no, she, that's not right. Yeah. So that all the more confirmed kind of, yeah. at least my suspicions. Oh, yeah, that for sure. They're on That's us. when I started to believe that too. So we came in together on... July 31st. And so we're walking. And as we're walking up, there was a guy who gave us like a real strong glare. And I said Mm. to you, oh, warm welcome. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then we walked up to that ticket booth. And so we were kind of waiting in line to pick up our tickets. And so someone came over and tapped on our shoulder. And it might have been the same guy who kind of stopped me before. It seemed like he was head of security. Like they kind of went to go get him, it Uh felt like. And so he came back. And so he said, I'd like you to step right over here that immediately confronted us and we had i'd say about six people kind of surround us i wrote down seven okay but yeah uh six or seven so yeah a bunch of people in suits and i think it was all men but one woman okay yeah and uh yeah most of them were the kind of security guards and uh they had a video camera it was like a handheld camera At that was pointed one. at us. And then, yeah, someone else had their phone Maybe and was phone, recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there may have been additional recording devices. Which uh, is perfectly legal. Yeah. This may be a great time to mention it's perfectly legal to record someone uh, outside on the street in California. Yeah. That's so perfectly fine. So, uh, you know and what we I did? We're doing the same. I fired up my recording device. <laughs> Good morning. Talk to you guys over here. Oh, okay. Hi. So we know who you are, we know what you do, we know your intentions, so you're not welcome here. Okay. This is a house of worship and a house of learning, and it's a private service, so you're not welcome here. You'd like so to have a good time. day. Okay. Okay, that was pretty clear. All right, thank you. That's interesting, like, we know what you're up to, or we know what you're doing. Right, which they don't. For all they know, we really believe. Right. Yeah, so we, we walked off and realized, okay, we are not welcome to attend here. And what did we do? Well, we went um, to Disneyland. <laughs> we did what we found out the children at Faith Center do, which yes. is we went to a museum. That's right. Went to go learn something helpful. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We drove up into uh, Forest Lawn, which is right across the street, and they had an Ivan Earl exhibit. Right. So Forest Lawn is a cemetery, but it also has a lot of art. Yeah. It has like uh, these beautiful buildings up top. They house art exhibits in. They did a great one in the past on Mark Davis and uh, Ivan Durrell was the principal designer for the uh, backgrounds in Sleeping Beauty. I've been a fan of his for years. So we got to look at lots of beautiful artwork. But yeah, well, no ambiguity at this point. They knew who we are and they did not want us. Yep. Uh, for sure. And they acted like, you know, it was like this big thing that they'd figured out who we were. Yeah, well. <laughs> we gave you our names. <laughs> right. Good job. You're better than Scientology at this. I, I think they looked us up right away. My guess uh-huh. is that first time we arrived and you had used Carrie Spears, I had yep. written my name on the back of the ticket. I'm guessing they looked me up then. Ah, uh, yes. And I'm guessing the ruse was up from that moment. Yeah, probably. It's interesting because they have this huge security apparatus And I felt like, boy, we must really be justifying their presence all of a sudden. They were probably really excited, you know, like, oh, cool, we've got these, you know, journalists who want to expose us. 
yeah, and we've got our culture of learning and worship, and we're going to turn them away. And so I th- thought we probably made them feel like they'd really done their job that right, day. Right, justified it. Afterwards, we were going back, and you were going to drive me to my car. That's right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, let's just let's just do a little drive-by and see you're what right, they're up to. Uh, so we drive up to that corner, and you can see one of the guys standing out front there. He's got his suit on and his earpiece. And so we have to kind of stop at the corner to make the turn. And so he's just kind of like patiently sitting there. Then he glances over at us and does this like double take. Like, right. Oh, jolts, it's, it's, jolts to attention. It's, it's, it's them. It's, it's our enemies. Them. And uh, so he kind of, he's reaching into his pockets. He's fumbling around. Shoot, I've got a camera here. I've got a camera. And he, mm-hmm. he pulls out this uh, this pink camera. And so he tries to like just very subtly like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just casual. And he's like holding it at his hip. And he's like Ooh. trying to take pictures of us. I'm like, why? Why even pretend that this isn't what you're doing? At this point. <laughs> right. So silly. And so uh so we drive around the block and we're like, oh that was fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so so we come around again and this time I take pictures of him taking pictures <laughs> of us. And uh, again, he like kind of snaps to attention. Oh, oh, take pictures, take pictures. Right. And um, <laughs> really prove that they drive. And so then, like, we're like, want to do it again? And Carrie says, "Oh no, I think at this point, like, right. <laughs> they'll legitimately be able to complain about us <laughs> right. bothering them." Right. So, uh, so we went back. Oh boy, yeah, it keeps sticking in my head that they were like, "We know what you're up to," just by virtue of like. You report on this sort of thing. So mm-hmm. we know exactly what kind of reporting you'll do. We know what you'll say. You don't know. Sure. I mean, you can make a fair guess from. You can make a fair guess, but the only way you'd make a fair guess is by honestly saying, well, yeah, what we do is like pretty weird. Right. I think it does bespeak that they have some awareness of their shadiness. Yeah. That they're not truly confident in their ability to appear sane and rational and truly like a house of learning and worship to an outsider. Which kind of speaks to the Aetherius Society, for example, knew who we Mm -hmm. were early on and were like, well, Let's see uh let's see what their reporting is like. I I agree. I think that's a perfect example and the Mormons as well. I think both of them have a certain confidence in their message. Right. Whereas I think Scientology and Melissa Scott, I think they realize like, oh, we do look oppressive and controlling and bad uh-huh. to the outside and we need to control your access to us and right. and what other people say about us. So yeah, yeah, I think it really does bespeak that they they realize that there's something fishy with yeah, I think that's right too. And speaking of fishy, we acted a little fishy yeah. to try to get into Bradbury. So this is one of the funnest days of my <laughs> last year. We sat down to record one day and we were kind of like pulling our notes together. And then Kara's saying, you know, though, I'd really like at some point, I'd like to try to go visit and just see the property in Bradbury and find out what it looks like. And I think both of us were suddenly wanting to do that more than record. Uh-huh. And so we're like, well, what about today? Why don't we just go what if we did that now? Drive out to Bradbury now. I could do it. Uh-huh. You want to do it? Yeah, okay. And so let's do it. We knew because you had tried to go there for your Peter Popoff investigation, we knew that there's a gated community there. And right. essentially that you have to kind of check in at the front gate. And I think that time you just strolled up off the street and said, like, hey, I'd like to come in and see Peter Popoff. Right. And they're like, no, go away. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, you'd gotten a tip from uh, a friend. Yep, that's right. That All friends who shall not be named, but hello, friend. That uh, people had been able to kind of get in 
that community by, you know, just being like Uber drivers or Lyft drivers. Right. Well, I mean, and this friend wasn't saying people had snuck in this way, but just that he... They get in there all the that, time, Uber that, yeah, and Lyft that, drivers. That, that literal Uber and Lyft drivers are kind of waved in. So we decided to be a Lyft driver. Yeah, we could do this. Drew had actually come up with this idea the week before. If we decided to do this, this would be the way to do it. And he had the brilliant idea of asking if he had any friends who used to be Lyft drivers and he found someone who who had. And that person lent us their placard that goes on the front of your windshield uh-huh. and their little pink mustache. Fuzzy thing. mustache. Yeah. That goes on your dashboard. So we were able to easily deck out your Prius. Yeah. And it had to be your Prius and not my 2004 Toyota Matrix. Covered in bumper stickers. <laughs> yeah, that would not be a My My car looked lift. a little more lift-like. And mm-hmm. uh, we put in like some bottled water and some like bubble gum. We were like really trying to complete right. this look. And like we got screenshots on my phone to look like I'm a Lyft driver. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. Screenshots of like the Lyft app. From the driver's (laughs) point of view so that you could pull it up and make it look like you're using the driver app. So this is our whole ruse. So we drive out over an hour to uh, the Bradbury area. And I just want to point out also that the normal ways that you calm down your partner about like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be fine are like not applicable here. I'm like, (laughs) uh, hey, I'm yeah, I'm going to go with Ross. Uh, I'll be riding in his trunk at one point. Uh, I'll probably be out of cell phone range. Uh, oh, uh, to oh to track down that nefarious pastor. Okay, will I be fine? Probably. Okay, bye. <laughs> so my partner's very understanding. Okay, so you've already revealed the really interesting part of all this <laughs> is that we were deciding like, well, who's going to do this? And we said, well, it would be kind of weird for two people to drive in like, I'm a Lyft driver. And, <laughs> this is my friend. <laughs> yeah, she comes along. And so then we thought, okay, well, one of us should be hiding for this. And so I volunteered to ride in the trunk, but you said, no, no, I'll do it. Yeah. And, and of course, that's always awkward, stuffing your friend into the trunk right. of your car. Yeah. And so, yeah, we pulled over one place a few blocks away. And then as we're getting ready to get out, there's like a woman drives up behind us and she's getting her kid out. So her, her young like, daughter. No, we can't. Yeah, we can't do this can't in front of her here. kid. So we drive forward a little bit. Turns out like it's like a preschool. There's Yeah, like- it's like a synagogue <laughs> slash preschool. And we're like, oh, we'll park right here and do it. <laughs> so many children can see uh, me stuff of carry into a but it was the weekend to a trunk so we went and we parked somewhere else and we stuffed you into the trunk there but it was a pretty comfortable trunk yeah. i actually yeah it was nice good and, you know the rocking of the driving very gently and i had left some nice jackets back there to give you kind of a pillow yeah to rest it your head upon started to feel almost like taking a nap but oh, i was good. like oh you need to listen you should pay attention <laughs> and you know it was ventilated yeah or could and i could a... hear you perfectly yeah so. if i spoke loudly we, were, we had a little conversation yeah. as <laughs> i drove over there <laughs> Uh, so I pulled up to the front gate. Yeah, sure enough, there's a guard booth and there was a woman inside. And uh, maybe I pulled up too far just to level my window with hers. But I don't think she even saw that I was a Lyft driver right. at first. And so she said, oh, well. well pretending to be a Lyft driver. You're right. like, she didn't even notice I was a Lyft driver. <laughs> she didn't even notice that <laughs> I, I did all this work. That I'm not actually a Lyft driver. <laughs> and so she asked uh, who I was there to see. And I said, oh, well, I'm here to pick up a Caroline uh, from, and then I had the address. So we had had a few uh, addresses listed for this property. They owned a lot of- uh, Land. Yeah, different units kind of within this Bradbury uh, gated community. One was listed as the primary residence, like all of the mail for all of them went to this one. So I said, ah, 331 Deodar Lane. 
uh-huh. Deodar, I don't know how to say it. I'm just a Lyft driver. Right. And, uh, and so she says, huh, and she kind of looks in her book, and she's got like this little binder. She says, I don't see that listed. Three. Wait, what? Where is it? And I'm going, oh, shoot. Okay, well, I should have just said it's on Deodar or something uh-huh. like that. So she's not finding it. And she's, she's, she said something like, oh, I mean, there are other houses around there that call, but never that house. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm not expecting any drivers right now. Did you have them call down? And, you know, I could play dumb. Oh, well, uh, no, I've, uh, I could call back and have them do that. She says, well, now I'm just really curious. And so she's looking <laughs> through and she's like, oh, interesting. Yeah, there is a 331 here, but yeah, they never call. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I can hear all of this from the trunk. And so uh, at this point, I'm saying, okay, well, hey, I mean, it's not worth all this trouble. I can, I can call them back and just say, like, they need to call you or they need to come down here. Is it far? And she's like, well, and she's not really answering that directly. Uh But uh, anyway, so she's not having any of it. And then like someone's pulling up behind me. So I'm kind of like stuck there at this little gate. Uh And uh, I'm trying to find my way to kind of back out of this like, oh, it's okay. Goodbye. (laughs) And um, (laughs) Yeah. So that person goes around me. And so I said, well, yeah, I'll get out of your way real quick, but I'll try calling her and see if she can come down here or if uh, she can call you. And so, yeah, we go and we park off to the side and I get Carrie out of the trunk. Again, just as awkward as putting your friend in the trunk. <laughs> and, and so you come out and you join me. And uh, so we're going to go try like a different approach. But I feel like I need to justify myself to this lady, or at least maybe like subdue her curiosity or something. Right. And so I drive back to the gate. I've also given her the indication like, oh, that maybe you're just a visitor or something at someone else's house. But of course, I don't know this. I just got a a lift request. Anyway, so I... Right. And you were kind of like bad-mouthing imaginary me. You were like, oh, I'm ready to drop this girl. Yeah. She can't even come down here. Well, (laughs) between you and me. (laughs) I like to think I was doing a good job of handling the situation. Oh, you were. No, you were for sure. By bad-mouthing Caroline. (laughs) And uh, and so I went... Caroline is my name in the lift app. You had Caroline on a screen screenshot of me from the app right and so yeah and she finally did realize that i was a supposed lift driver but that didn't seem to really affect her one way or the other and so uh i drove up with carrie and i said oh no worries i found her and uh she kind of looked out and waved like oh my goodness did she come all the way down it's like yeah she there was some confusion she was, was on the street yeah i was around the corner <laughs> so so then we drove off and so now we're like busy looking at the map trying to see like is there any other way to get into this community right not really they do a really good job of buttoning this place up but there is a way over the gate <laughs> so so yeah we parked there and there was a gate in our way. Actually, we could see two of them. And I was wearing flip-flops and <laughs> yeah. cursing that I had worn flip-flops. But I hadn't expected this, of course. Right. Oh, and also, I was developing a migraine. Oh, no. Remember? Were you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I That's had a right. headache and I was starting to feel nauseous. And then, and then all of a sudden, you're like, well... You want to hop some fences? You could have said no. No, I know. No, it's not your fault. (laughs) But I remember at first I was like, no, you know, my head hurts and I'm wearing flip-flops. And we almost left. And then I was like, it's never going to happen if it's not now. Mm. Let's let's do it. Now is the time. We are here. We drove all the way out. Let's hop them fences. But I don't have much fence hopping experience. I've got to say, I'm a pretty good fence hopper. And I like hopping fences. It's fun. It's one of those things you don't get a a chance to do very often. It's like getting in a fist fight or something. It's like, uh maybe that's a guy thing. But yeah, you're kind of like, oh, I kind of want to, but I don't have any good reason. Uh uh (laughs) So it's like, yeah, we get to hop fences now. So yeah, yeah. we, we hop the first fence. 
and uh, then we went over. It was, oh, you! It was a very difficult hop. Was it? Yeah, you have to put your foot there, and then your foot the other place, and then your foot in another place. Then you have to get over it, and then you have to find a place to step, and then you have to get down. Then you don't want to hurt your little, your little, your little, your little ankles. Great description. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> All right, so we did that one. Okay, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and it was like you know the straight bars just completely vertical so there's no real good place to put your foot right i think is what carrie's trying to say yeah yeah, yeah. you put down and the other foot down and the other foot <laughs> so yeah you have to kind of pull yourself up with your upper body strength and kind of get your foot up onto this cinder block wall next to it and then the next one i think was even more difficult and so we're both coming over this one so i jump over it first and like i hear a golf cart approaching and carrie's and i'm like halfway over yeah carrie's like up on the top part i was like hurry up hurry up get down, get down. <laughs> i'm like okay where shall my next foot go maybe over here I was like, jump jump maybe ooh, get down maybe this is a better spot so so carrie <laughs> plops down oh, and but like first i'm like can you give me your hand and you're like god damn it <laughs> like grab my hand <laughs> yeah so you get down and there's this loud like rustle of like you're going past <laughs> all the like <laughs> As all the like tree branches are kind of moving. So we're hiding sort of behind this tree branch. And like immediately after Carrie lands and straightens herself, the golf cart emerges. Yeah. And there's like a security guy and an old fella riding next to him uh-huh. on this golf cart. And they look over and hello. We kind of yeah. wave at them. We look as suspicious as <laughs> can be. Possible. I, I think Carrie. Like, and it is the most <laughs> fluid motion. Like I stand up and like as my body is barely erect, it's like a satsana in. In yoga, like my body is barely up and my hands going up to wave. And I'm like, yes, I've been standing this whole time by this gate. Where they've just I don't heard... know what you mean about the thought. Hello. <laughs> they've just seen the bushes rattle. <laughs> and uh, so, so Gary thinks we're totally like, you know, uh, nonchalant. They they drive by. I don't think we were nonchalant. You thought we were chalant? Oh, yeah, we were very chalant. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you realized No, that's that. what I mean. Okay. Well, the, the guy kind of looked at us. Yeah semi-suspiciously but he also said hi back and he's driving this older fellow but i'm thinking like oh no we need to hide now because like they're gonna come looking for us right and so we kind of walk along that road a little more you know casual and (laughs) this is normal so when they're making up a story we're like we're here to see our grandma (laughs) yeah and so when they're out of sight we start walking up this hill this is my idea like i like we need to hide for a bit maybe we can get over to the area we're trying to get to if we climb up this hill and there's like a, a big rain spout. And so we're climbing up the this V-shaped rain spout, you know, made out of concrete mm-hmm. and kind of like... Like uh, on all fours. Yeah, I'm doing this like Spider-Man, like right. climb up a wall and it's very steep and there's branches and bushes in our way and we're getting all kinds of little thorns and thistles attached to us. And I'm still wearing flip-flops. Yeah, you did a really good job going up that uh, spot. I thought I'd be stopping and waiting for you a lot. But yeah, we both made our way up there and there's all these like dry crackly leaves everywhere. So make a lot of noise whenever we touch anything. So we get up there and we're kind of looking around like, okay, are they coming back to look for us? And and so I'm- Took lo- a couple of pictures up there. It was very pretty. And, uh, and then we're looking down the other side. So then I get to the top and you're kind of examining like cuts on your hand now. Yeah. Well, I'm like examining the other side. And so I start trying to look for a way to get down the other side of the hill, which would get us a little farther along and closer to the other gate. I start descending the hill and I'm, you know, making all these noises yeah, as I'm going, rustle, rustle, rustle. Yeah, going through the, the dry leaves. And then I notice there's like a cook coming out of the facility. He goes to his car to smoke. And I'm wearing a bright red shirt. 
Right. My phone is almost out of battery. And I'm just trying to like lay flat against the hill. Like, don't look up. Don't see me. So he sits there for like a five minute smoking break. (laughs) And so I'm like texting Carrie with what little battery I have left. Like, "There's there's a guy here. He's smoking. I'm just waiting for him to go back. So he eventually gets out of his car and he goes back. Wait, well, first you came up and you whispered to me something. Yeah, and you couldn't yeah. hear me, so I yeah. texted you. Oh, well, wait, no. You came up and you whispered like, there's a, there's a man. And then like gave me a thumbs up and I was like, what? And then I texted <laughs> you and was like, there's a fat man below smoking or something. And you were like, uh, almost or something like that. And I was like, okay, there's nothing about a man. I'll, I'll stay up here. So finally he went back. And so we both like decided, okay, well, this is our best shot is just to come down this hill. We got to come down anyway. Might as well come down on the other side. And uh, so we're descending. And then you notice that there's a woman just standing oh, right. right there. And so like, oh, shoot. But we've been making tons of noise. I'm wearing, <laughs> I know. I'm wearing my bright red shirt. So there's no way she hasn't seen these two buffoons coming down the hillside. <laughs> But I like try to hide behind the tree and you're like, no, let's hold still. And so, and so <laughs> Carrie just lays back against the leaves and she's just sitting still. <laughs> this woman has like, wondering, like, what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> no, I think she didn't see us. Oh, no, she, she must have. <laughs> she could have heard us a mile away. <laughs> You you were like semi camouflaged, but yeah, Carrie's just yeah, like laying. Like, I was in like black and and an olive. I should have gotten a picture of you because it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> just like back, like no one can see me. <laughs> it's kind of like when you play hide and go seek with like a, a four year old, and they're like, "If I close my eyes, you won't see me." <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think she couldn't see me. Oh, okay. I thought that I wouldn't catch her eye if she hadn't seen me yet oh she don't i'm i'm almost certain she knew we were there anyway so So she's uh, i have a master's in investigative (laughs) so i uh so yeah she's probably seen this crazy man like scuttle down in his bright red shirt and hide behind this giant tree and occasionally peer out like to see where she is And I guess she finally gets tired of it and she walks off. She's like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And so we both, we run down through the leaves and we're down back on the asphalt and we quickly make our way up and we realize we've been intimidated by this big black fence. Right. Really tall black. And we don't need to go through it. And no, there's a road that just continues right past the fence. So, yeah, oh, the fence is oh. to like a pool or something. Okay. We're like, we don't want to go swimming. So yeah, so we continue up that road. Doesn't look like anyone else sees us. And now, now, <laughs> But if they had, I would know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> just hold <laughs> They're like T-Rexes. They can only see you if uh, you don't move. <laughs> or, or, well, that's what rabbits do. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's why, like, or or deer, you know, like the the prey animals who freeze. Oh yes, because they're you know predators, which makes sense because yeah, movement is our first and most obvious. That's what I'm saying. Okay, you're right. And and by the way, the T Rex thing not true. Apparently, uh, (gasps) 
Okay, never mind. No, I won't, I won't explain. All right. In The Lost World, Michael Crichton had realized that, oh, that wasn't true because a new science study had shown that the, oh, okay. they were improperly making assumptions about the cavities inside of the T-Rex brain and what that meant compared ah. to other modern animals. He dealt with that in The Lost World by having the characters make fun of Alan Grant by saying, like, he doesn't know enough anatomy to have sex with his wife. Oh, I just, wow. I remember that standing out to me. Michael Crichton also didn't believe in climate change. Interesting fellow, that Michael Crichton. Yeah. I was a big fan of his books for a while. Yeah, I was a great writer. I've read, I don't know, probably like seven or so. Anyways. Okay. So, I just reread Jurassic Park this year. Oh, great book, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. It's oh. great. So, uh, so we walked up and there was a party <sighs> going on like just across the way. Again, this is another road covered in dry pieces of vegetation. So we're just crackling as we walk past this party with all of these like well-dressed, fancy people in their backyard. They can kind of see us walking along. Hello. Yep. And um, they don't seem disturbed. And we're just walking past one like fancy house after another. Yeah. And everything is just so expansive and desolate. Mm. And it was just mm-hmm. kind of sad because yeah. it was a what, Saturday morning? Sat- well, Saturday afternoon, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, there's just like nobody out or doing anything. You, you just see like just tons of land not being used by and anybody. It, and it's sad. It, it really is sad because it's like... It's perfect otherwise. Right. It's, it's like a place where if it were full of people. The place people, of your dreams. Yeah, if it were full of people and they had like fairs on Saturday and you could see like kids rollerblading by, you know, like it could just be magical. But when it's just empty like that, it's like a ghost town. And every maybe two minutes you see someone drive by and it looks like mostly they're people who are taking care of lawns or something like that right yeah and everything's like beautifully maintained and well kept and anyway so yeah we're walking along this very long road finally we get up to diodar which took a long time yeah and then we find the address find 331 and there's a sign that says silver oaks ranch mm-hmm. and which is the place that gene owned and rode his horses and had all his ladies ride his horses and took videos of all his ladies riding his horses. There was a name on the call box that was somebody else's name. Right. Maybe a caretaker. Uh, Yeah. So not sure quite what that means. And then we walked up sort of a side road that adjoined the property and we were able to get a good look at it. And yeah, beautiful, big house, horse facilities. There's, uh, you know, stables Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of paths for them. There's like this big track it was almost the size of a football field like just in front of the yard yep and uh we're pretty sure that is melissa scott's house it seems most likely i mean that they haven't gotten rid of this that still belongs to gene scott inc and that it's immaculately maintained a multi-million dollar 5.6 million dollars which i mean i would have even guessed was low but that's the last time it was assessed yeah so, uh, yeah, well, our big hope was that we would see Melissa Scott riding a horse. Right, sure. That's what I wanted. Yeah, we can't say from this that we've concluded there she is and there she resides, but... We do know that Gene Scott, Inc. owns the property. Right. And so uh, then we realized, like, oh, okay, we're in the neighborhood. Maybe we should go see Peter Popoff. Yes. So we were less than a mile from his house. They are neighbors. Yeah. Oh, That's my goodness. short for neighbors. Yes. That's long for yes. <laughs> yeah, as I said, uh, we are no fans of Peter Popoff. Uh, he mm-hmm. has been a purported faith healer for years, uh, was famously exposed by James Randi on mm-hmm. the Johnny Carson show. If you've never seen that clip, oh my goodness, you are missing out. Go look up Peter Popoff, James Randi. I think equally wonderfully uh, exposed by one of his former employees, Crystal Sanchez. Yes, um, Carrie did a story on this. Yeah, last year, you can look up. 
my name and Peter Popoff find it easily. Look at all this reading you get to do. Yeah, but Crystal Sanchez, a very brave young woman, yeah, shared that his supposed healing holy water was just from Costco. He would take in these millions of dollars worth of gold from people and then never even look at their prayer requests, just all sorts of terrible things. So bottom line is, if you find a way to uh, get lots of money from your parishioners, you too could live in the exclusive Bradbury, California. And at the end of your life, you could look back on it and say, I really fucked up. If you have a conscience. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we walked over to Peter Popoff's house and, yep, confirmed that's his. I really wanted to call him and just be like, hey, uh, it's Ross and Carrie, so why are you always screwing people over? And just do a little psychological warfare from his driveway, but you didn't want yeah, to do that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just seemed intrusive and a step too far, but then again, I shouldn't feel bad for Peter Popoff. Sure. Anyway, but, we took a we took a video there. Yeah, Carrie thought this was very notable, that we'd found the one thing Ross will not do. Mm-hmm. Press this button. Yep. Then we walked back down, and then we had to hop those fences again. Boy, we got our exercise that day. The last fence, for some reason, I found really exhilarating. Oh, I remember why. I found the last (laughs) fence really exhilarating because I had to, You found the penultimate fence exhilarating, too, but uh, you were building up to an even greater crescendo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was getting really excited about, like, how good I am now about hopping fences. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, And then the last one, which had originally been the first one, of course, was much harder to get over coming back than going to. I will agree. That was the hardest fence hopping experience. All right. There you go. And so uh, I was like, oh, I know. I will like like those videos of gorillas. I will tool use. And uh, I went (laughs) and found a... uh, I will tool use. I will tool use. There was a, a caution cone... That I could kind of squish down enough to use as a stepping stone. Oh, yes. I did not think that was going to work. That looked very (laughs) flighty. And I did. And that gave me just enough height to hop a little and get on the fence and get over. And it made me so excited. And I (laughs) giggled so evilly and fell down so hard that it made me fart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then she was just like seething with excitement. Like, yes. Yeah, I was going, <laughs> Here to four, you shall be known as Tool Use Lautrec. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. The artist. Thank you. Yeah, Carrie was like devilishly grinning and like, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, you do it better than I do because <laughs> it again. was you. <laughs> And her, yeah, her her fists are up in the air at ninety degrees, and they're just shaking. And so she's grinning at me like this, and I don't know what to do. Like, are you are you okay, Carrie? I'm so happy. <laughs> why why are you happy? You, you hopped the fence. Good job. Good job. So yeah, we got back in the car and we drove back and talked about uh, mm-hmm. Melissa Scott. And oh, we bought. I sat in the car that time. <laughs> yes, like a normal human being, mm-hmm. and uh, we bought uh, Slurpees. Oh, that's right. It was a really hot day. Yes, we'd earned our Slurpees. Lots of walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was fun. Boy, that was a good day. (laughs) Now we'll find out she didn't even live there. Right. That is actually worth noting is that there is a condo in LA that's listed as belonging to a Melissa Scott. Mm -hmm. Could be the same one, could not be. That condo is worth about $200,000. Would be a totally normal thing for any professional to own would not hold that against her um she could own that one as well she could only own that one couldn't tell you okay we also found that uh, interestingly enough uh she also owns like a westcott christian center 
So there was like another. She personally owns it? Westcott Christian Center in Glendale. But then they have like a building in Oroville, California, which is way to the north, like other Mm -hmm. side of the state. When I went to their website, or I think it was their Facebook page, it gave us its URL, PastorMelissaScott.com. Okay. But now I'm going back and the Facebook page is down, Hmm. which is interesting. Or like it's not there. I'm pretty sure I searched for Westcott Christian Center before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, an interesting building there in Oroville, California. It looks like a, a church of sorts on a big piece of land. And, uh, yeah, on many, uh, websites, I'm seeing a link between Gene Scott and Melissa Scott and Westcott, which Drew noticed are his initials, W E Scott. Yeah. Scott. Cause Gene Scott's full name is William Eugene Scott. So, uh, yeah, that seems to be another property that they own. So the question is, does she go up there and preach sermons? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. Seems unlikely. Anybody live up in that area? Want to go check it out? Let us know. Yeah. Another thing that that maybe is worth looking into, and we don't have the power to do it, is whether they could be funneling some of these donations given to the church into Gene Scott, Inc., the for-profit business. Hmm, Which would be shady. I don't know if that would qualify as donation fraud or not, but yeah, these are Good questions that probably should be asked by the IRS. Because there's a a lot of money going around here. And as we've mentioned before, they discourage uh, their... No, actually, they they flat out tell their parishioners not to claim deductions on their taxes for money that they give to Faith Center. Right. They don't take credit cards. Uh, Everything's check or money order. Right. Um, And uh, so, yeah, a fair amount of money going into this church, but none of it's like really being tracked. And if you go to pastormelissascott.com and click on tax deductions, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, you'll get a nice little sermon from old Gene telling you why theologically he feels like, you know, the money that you give to God, that needs to be a secret. You don't, you don't share that with people like Pharisees do. And he even says, if you try to show that you gave us money, like we won't stand behind you. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, which sounds like if, if you claimed hey, okay, I gave $10,000 this year to Faith Center, and then you got audited, and the IRS went to them and said, can you verify right. this? They would say, no, no he didn't. What are you talking and about? you could end up in prison <laughs> for tax evasion. But I'm sure it's all right if you give the IRS your uh, King's House number. <laughs> sure. I'm sure that's good then with Then everything's okay. <laughs> but um, Ross, what's your King's House number? Don't look. 66237? Uh, two, I think it's 273. 273? Uh, what is it? Six six oh seven three nine. Oh, okay. oh fail. Oh boy. Yeah, it's interesting. He was also saying in the sermon, like, oh, I don't want to be supported by people who like, you know, they're just donating money because they're going to get less on their taxes. Uh, you know, if you're going to donate that money to the Lord, just give it to the Lord. Which, first of all, is not how it works. People seem so confused. Yeah, you don't get all that money back. You from don't the get government. it back. First of all, even if you got it back, you would just break even. That right. still wouldn't benefit you. Right. Second of all, you don't get it back. That amount's just not taxed. You lose almost all of it, save like about a third. But hey, (sighs) theology. So, so yeah, you can uh, you can watch that sermon. He kind of reminds me of uh, older Bill Clinton in that video. Yeah, he reminds you of a lot of people, though. Sure does. Yeah. Well, have you enjoyed your journey with the Scots? Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. It's been one of my favorite. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of the what you get to what you're expecting ratio is very high. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, boy, when Drew and I drove by that fountain on the way to a doctor's appointment, (laughs) I said, what is that? 
Boy, did I not know what to expect. And we have learned that the fountain says in Greek, Basilius Basilii. Which means king, king of, of kings. kings. King of kings and lord of lords. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King of kings and lord of lords. Glory. Hallelujah. No? Hallelujah. No. Jesus, Jesus prince of peace. peace. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No? No. <laughs> All right. All of my uh, lifelong evangelicals out there will back me up. Uh, excuse me? Uh, lifelong. Lifelong, apparently. You're not you, lifelong you... either. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know how you missed that one, though. Great. Well, Ross. Ross, hey, is it? It is Ross. Did you know who wrote our theme music? Uh, that would be Brian Keith Dalton. Did you know who co-edited and produced our show? That would be Ian Kramer. Hey, did you know where our Facebook page is? Yes, facebook.com slash Honrack. Did you know where to donate if you liked the show and want to support it and in future investigations? I bet you thought you could stump me on this one, but it's actually MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Shoot, that's right. Do you know where someone could write a positive review about us so other people would hear about the show? Yes, that's iTunes. Oh, man. Did you notice that we've given up on ratings? Yeah, what's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, quick ratings. (laughs) Melissa Scott, pseudoscience rating. Uh, Ten is high. uh, One is low. Five. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm, interesting. Oh, no. See, this isn't going to be quick. Okay. If it starts with, um, not, yeah, no, interesting. Uh, you have to go back into the Gene Scott <sighs> stuff, I think, to find, like, like kind right. of weird pseudoscience stuff. As far right. as Melissa then, goes. Then we're at a 10. Yeah, you're just going to get, like, uh, kind of boring sermons that really over-extrapolate verses. She's so, pro-choice, by the way. Is she? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Go Melissa Scott. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll say six. Uh, great. Okay, what about uh, danger rating? Danger rating. Hmm. I'll say three. Not okay, too dangerous. Okay, yeah, me too. I th- I'm going to agree three. But creepiness. Creepy rating, eight. Okay, I'm going to say 9.2. Say, I'm saying they're super high on creepy. Yeah, I think so too. And I'd say their bark is worse than their bite. Yeah. Pocket drainer value. You got two offerings there. Yep. Oh, wait, hang You can't on. get all that money back in your taxes. Hang on. Back up the trolley on the danger rating. I forgot that they espouse faith healing. Don't because, mess with taxes. Oh, yes. Yes, because uh, our interviewee, who we'll uh, have in a future episode, oh. she told us they believe in faith healing and that Gene Scott actually decided not to get treatment for his cancer because he personally believed in faith healing. So where's your danger so, rating now? Let's put this at least at a six. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll match you at six. Okay, great. Where were we? Uh, pocket drainer. Pocket drainer. I feel like there's a lot of pressure there. Uh, and Ye- 10% of yes, your income ma'am. is too much. Yes, ma'am. Um, seven. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with, I'll say 8.5. Okay. Yeah, I feel there's a lot of emphasis on giving money ever since Gene Scott's days. Yeah. Uh, a really hard push on that and a lot of controlling about that. And a lot of defining who you are and your membership in the church by that. Yeah. Yeah, very popular. Uh, let me say something that's really important to me. I don't mean that giving 10% of your income is too much to give to charity, mm-hmm. but to demand of someone to give to your personal charity is... Yeah, and just the culture surrounding it. Right. Uh, yeah. Just how much it's kind of stigmatized. Right. Uh, hot drinks, yay or nay? Uh, no hot drinks no that hot I drinks. saw. There were no fucking hot drinks. There, there were no snacks or anything? Yeah. Yeah, they don't seem to do fellowship like other churches. At like, all. And you, our interviewee will get into that too. Yeah. So so we've got a really cool interview coming with a former member of the church who was kind of there for that transitional period. Uh, so yeah, I look forward to that coming soon. Cool. Well, that's it for our show. And remember, take heed that ye do not your alms before men 
to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. This is why I took on every government agency in America that reared its head our direction and said I would die before I would let the donor list of this church and your giving, which God's Word clearly says should be done in secret, turned over to government agencies. I likewise would fight to death for our church to give deduction credit to people who make contributions because to do otherwise is to let somebody deny that we are a church with rights like any other church. But having said that and fought for the right, as a theological premise, for this reason, we don't let our people take tax deduction for their giving. Don't, I won't build a ministry based upon motivating people to give to get tax deductions. You want to give for that reason, give to a charity. That's why we raised $2 million for the library downtown and other charities around town. If you're looking for tax deduction, give to a charity. We're not a charity. Here you give to God. Do you live in the fictional city of Chicago? Do you love amazing podcasts like Max Fund's own Lady to Lady, Minority Corner, and Bullseye? Do you enjoy insightful interviews with talented actors and comedians like Dwayne Kennedy and Andre Royo? Don't miss your chance to be part of podcast history by attending the first ever Chicago Podcast Festival. Lady to Lady and Bullseye take the stage on November 17th, and Minority Corner performs on November 18th. Tickets are on sale right now. Visit MaximumFun.org for more information and to grab your ticket today. Right now. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.